Hey, what's up, everybody? God bless. Pastor Dave here. I'm just going to go ahead and do an impromptu Bible reading from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. I'm actually putting my phone on silent right here. Um, if you're in a position where you can do so, I invite you and strongly encourage you to follow along with me as I go ahead and read through this and talk our way through it in this, um, what, what I intend to be anyway, a short little devotional type teaching, but we'll see what happens. I might just keep going through the whole chapter, but thanks for being here. But Hebrews chapter 12, um, reading from the New King James Version of the Bible, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So the author of Hebrews here has just come out of Hebrews chapter 11, or as we read the Bible here, we come out of Hebrews chapter 11 and into Hebrews chapter 12. And Hebrews 11 is referred to as the Hall of Faith chapter, just something we like to call it. But it talks about all of those people that long ago walked by faith. And here we are, uh, a, a people today who walk by faith in Jesus Christ. We are called as Christians to walk by faith and not by sight. But one thing that we are encouraged here within the first verse of chapter 12 to do is to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So endurance, there's a key word right there, endurance. It, it, it depicts something hard, something laborious, right? Not something easy to do. We don't need endurance to go sit on the couch, we don't need endurance to float on a cloud if, if that's how you picture heaven being or whatever, right? We don't, we don't need endurance for these type of things. We don't need endurance to be on easy street, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. We need endurance when something is hard. We need endurance when we're trying to, if, if you're somebody that works out with weights, you need endurance to get all those reps in. You need endurance if you're someone that runs and you want to finish that mile, those two miles, that five miles, whatever it is, you need endurance to do that. You need to keep going. And how do we, how do we get endurance? Well, we build up that endurance. And it's the same thing as it applies to faith in Jesus Christ. You see, because there is sin, as this verse tells us, there is sin that easily ensnares us. Very easily we can be ensnared. And, and when you think of a snare, you think of a trap, something that you get your foot into, stuck in, right? And now you're stuck and you're tripping and you're falling, right? And sin wants to do that in our lives through temptation that comes our way. And we get easily ensnared. But there needs to be endurance in us that causes us to persevere in the faith. Now, by faith, that's how we lay aside the sin. 
and the weight that easily ensnares us. That what traps us. When you think of weight in this verse, I think of something just pinning you down and holding you down, right? But the question is, is what are you doing with your life? What am I doing with my life? Am I putting myself in situations where I can be easily ensnared? You know, the lust of the, the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. Am I putting myself into these positions? Am I hanging around with other people that walk in this sin or, or live a certain way? Am I following along with the flow of this world and what the rest of the world is doing? Or have I come out of the world and into the kingdom of God where my eyes are now fixed on Jesus and I'm walking by faith in him? And that faith that requires endurance is hard because it's not something that we see. It's so much easier for me to go sit on the couch and not need any endurance. It's so much easier for me just to, you know, give in to this world and follow the ways of the world, that doesn't take faith. What takes faith is to fight against the sin of this world and to decide and to determine within my own heart that I'm going to follow Jesus. That by following Jesus, it means that I'm going to commit my life to His ways, to His commands, to his word, okay? And I'm going to do what he says. And that takes faith, first off, but it also takes laying aside the sin, the, the, the weight, right? All of that that easily ensnares us, right? How do we do that? Verse 2 goes on and says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus is our example of somebody that endured. He is our example. And look what he did. Look what he had to go through with his endurance to get to the place where he is now seated at the right hand of God, right? He had to humble himself. We too are called to humble ourselves in the sight of God, and he will exalt us. He will lift us up. In the meantime, though, we're running a race that requires endurance, okay? And, and we're going through a world where we don't belong. We're going through a time that is temporary, okay? And I know sometimes the younger you are, you feel like you've got a longer life ahead of you. You could put, you know, faith off in God till some other time, but that is a huge mistake, because today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to give your life to the Lord and to follow after him and to do what this scripture says here, to fix your eyes on Jesus. Now, if you were to do a study on that word where it says to fix your eyes on Jesus, um, you would find that what that means is to lock your eyes onto him. In other words, don't look to the left, to the right. You know, don't look to the sin of this world. Get your eyes off of this world, the things of this world, and, and bring your eyes to a place where you're fixed on Jesus and you're living the life that he commands and he describes here within the word how we should live. See, Jesus says that we should be seeking first. That is making the priority of our lives the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
That's the priority of our lives. And that comes by fixing our eyes on Jesus by faith, enduring by faith, running this race, persevering all the way through. He's our example of something that was hard to do. And we've not We've not done anything as hard as what Jesus had to do. And I'll touch on that here in just a minute, I think. But, um, uh, and actually, as I'm reading, you know, this here in, in the um, New King James Version, verse 2 actually says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. I was quoting it as fixing your eyes on Jesus, which I believe is what it says in the King James Version. Typically, I teach from the New King James Version like I'm doing now. Um, typically in my own personal reading, I'm reading from the King James Version. No really rhyme or reason to that. I just, I, I was one that got saved, um, you know, by reading the Bible. And I got, and the Bible that I happened to be reading at the time was the King James Version of the Bible. But I like to teach out of the New King James Version of the Bible. But anyway, going on here, verse 3 says, um, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Something I want you to notice there, like I was pointing out, right? Um, you, you've not shed any blood fighting against sin. Jesus shed blood. He did something for us. He did something hard on our behalf. Okay, but he is our example again that we are to fix our eyes on him. We are to look unto Jesus and see, okay, what did he do? He endured the cross, despising its shame, right? And has sat down now at the right hand of the Father. But in verse three here, like I read, um, you know, we're supposed to consider him and what he endured, and we haven't. Um, shed any blood, striving against sin. But what I want to point out here is this, that we should be striving against sin. Striving. Fighting the fight of faith. Saying, no, I'm not giving in to that. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, these things in this world, the material things of this world, all of that sin that wants to ensnare you and me, we're not giving in to that. We're not going to do it, right? Instead, we're going to strive against sin. We're going to fight against it. It's a daily battle. You are in a battle. You see, unfortunately today, and if you've listened to me very much at all, you know that I'm not for this kind of teaching, but there's a kind of teaching that goes on today within the body of Christ, right, within churches, maybe I should put it that way, that really kind of teaches that, man, you can just continue in your sin and it really doesn't matter. You know, sure, maybe you should, maybe you should fight against sin, maybe you should stop sinning, you know, or whatever, but if you're in sin, it's not going to matter at the end. And I'm telling you, look, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches this kind of thing. We've got to strive against it. We've got to fight against it because in the end, it matters. What you do and how you live matters. The fruit that your life produces. If you, uh, Jesus said, a tree is known by its fruit, right? 
And if you're not producing good fruit, then there's no good within you. There's no good within that tree if it's not producing good fruit. So if there's good within you, if you have Christ within you, then you're going to be producing good fruit. You're going to be striving against sin. You're going to be walking in righteousness. Like I mentioned, you're going to be seeking the kingdom of God first. You're going to be fixing your eyes on Jesus, looking unto Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He set the example, right? So let's read on. Verse 5, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. You see, what this is pointing out to us is, is again, the Christian life is not easy. God is working in us the scripture tells us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And you've probably heard me say this before as well, but it's not our good pleasure that God's working out. And you see, that's another teaching that goes around today. You know, it's all about you and what you want and what you can get. And if you confess this, if you profess this, then you can have this, you can have that. It's not about that at all. That's not found in the scriptures. What is found in the scriptures is that God is working something out within you. He's working to will and to do of your good pleasure. And in so doing, he's going to chasten you and me. And at times, you know, it, it's going to be hard. Okay. And don't be discouraged when you're rebuked by God. Right, Because he scourges every son whom he receives. Verse 7, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Now, unfortunately, today, and, and maybe not just today, but unfortunately, um, many fathers don't chasten their sons. They don't chasten their daughters. And unfortunately today, to expound on that even further, many children do not have fathers in their lives. Or if they do have a father figure in their lives, he may be too focused on other things. Or he may be just letting them go and, and uh, hey, good luck, son. Let's see how it works out. Good luck to you, daughter. You know, giving them no guidance, no direction. But the Bible here is assuming that a good father is going to chasten his children. He's going to make sure that they stay the course. When they get a little attitude, you know, the attitude's not cute, nor is the attitude something they're going to outgrow. The attitude is, is beginning to form a foundation in their lives of what they're going to be like, what they can get away with. Foolishness, the proverb says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. In other words, they're all wrapped up with foolishness. It's just the way it is. It's the way I was born, the way you were born. We all grow up with foolishness bound in us. And if we're just left to our own, Proverbs says, you know, it brings shame to, we bring shame to our parents because the child grows up. And then if we think the little sassy little things they say, the little smart aleck little things they say, the little attitudes they say, if, they, if we think that that's cute, well, we're doing that child a great disservice. 
and we're not the type of parent that the Bible says we should be. We should be chastening our children and bringing them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And if they cannot, and and when I say fear, right, we're talking about reverence. And if they cannot reverence their parents, what makes you think they're ever going to reverence God? You see, if they can't respect their parents and honor their parents in the way they live their daily lives, what, what, what makes us think that they're ever going to be able to do that to God? They can see their parents with their physical eyes. And we're calling them to faith in God and to reverence God, but yet we're not training them up in the way that they should go. I kind of went off on a whole different subject there almost, but but just kind of like I say, this is impromptu and just kind of going through the scripture here. So verse 8, but if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers. So if you're in God, he's working, he you know, he's he's doing his good pleasure with within us in in our hearts, right? He's doing something within us. Um he says, "But if you are without chastening of which all become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons." Okay? Now if you read the King James version, it says you're a bastard, right? It's it's just an illegitimate child, you know, if there's no chasing, if there's no chastening. So again, it's it's just a strong encouragement to a parent again to play that role in your child's life, to train them up disciplined and chastened so that they can reverence God, okay? And the Bible tells us the way to do that. The Bible even tells us exactly how to do that. And wow, I'm about to go off on a, on a topic here. I didn't plan to, but, but I'm just going to go ahead. You know, the Bible talks about the rod of correction, okay? Disciplining that child with the rod of correction. It's not the hand of correction. It's not smacking that child with the hand. It's using some form of a rod. With us, my wife and I, we patted our children on the butt with a wooden spoon, like one of those cooking spoons, okay? We were training them up in that. But we were never going to break their bone. We were never going to do it in anger. We were never going to hit them with our hands. We were never going to give them words that said, you stupid idiot, why'd you do this? We were never going to do that. It's all done with love because God is love. And the way God does things is love. The reason he chastens you and me is because he loves us. He's working out his good pleasure within us. And he loves you with such a deep love. And we love our children in that way. So we train them up in the way that they should go. And we do it in accordance with how God says we should do it, how the Word of God says we should do it, not with what's easy for us. And we don't overlook things, you know, When they need discipline, they need discipline. Now, you might not just do it out in a public place. You might take them home quietly, sit them down, lovingly talk to them. Say, listen, this is how you behaved. When we were just at such and such a place, you behaved like this. You acted up like this. You spoke like this or that, right? So we sit them down and we say, this isn't the way we do it. We show them the scriptures. We teach them how God wants them to live. We discipline them because God says we do with the rod of correction, right? 
you're going to save their soul in doing that, right? That's the, that's the thing, right? We care about the soul of the child. And as we read this here in Hebrews today, we know that God cares about our soul. So he's going to chasten us. He's going to direct us. He's going to guide us. He's going to instruct us. That's what the Word of God does. It instructs us in righteousness. It corrects us. It rebukes us. It's profitable for all of those things, Scripture tells us. So again, it's not an easy life, is it? It's not, it's not like, hey, I get everything I want whenever I want. That's the spoiled child. That's the illegitimate child, right? The one that just gets away with everything, you know? That's not how God, God doesn't want us to be brats. He doesn't want us to be spoiled children. He doesn't want us acting up in public. He wants us to be people that are His children, the children of God, trained in righteousness and walking by faith and avoiding the snares of sin. Okay, let's see. Let's go on a little more here, see what we got. Furthermore, we have had human fathers, okay? So yeah, he's expounding here. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Again, so that's that's for the fathers that do correct their children. They deserve respect. They deserve honor for what they did in raising up their children. So um, shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live. Now, that's very important there. See that? Remember I said that, well, the Scripture says, more importantly, that God is working in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. He is the Father of our spirits, who we are internally, that who we are spiritually. And again, like that tree that's known by its fruit, if that tree is producing bad fruit, something's bad within that tree. If our lives are producing bad fruit, something's wrong within our hearts. Something's wrong within us, okay? So God is chastening us, and He is the Father of our spirit. You see, so many times, and you know what? I think I'm just going to go ahead and stop right here, keep this a shorter video, because um, I can keep going and going and going. But so many times we neglect who we are spiritually. People do. They could care less. They, they, they care more about who they are externally, what they look like. They buy skincare products, right? We buy the right soap. We buy the right deodorant. We buy the right shampoos. We buy the clothes that make us look our best, the shoes and all of that kind of stuff, right? And we look to the outward. And that's what man does, right? You know, man looks at the outward, but the scripture tells us that God looks at the heart. So I will stop here and I will encourage you with this today. Where are you in your faith? Are you enduring? Are you pressing on? Are you fighting? Are you striving against sin? Or are you just giving into it? Do you care at all? Today, and, and, and I know that sounds kind of harsh. Everybody cares. I, I don't mean it that way. But, but are you paying attention to who you are spiritually? The care of your soul. Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what shall man give in exchange for his soul? Nothing is more important than who you are internally. And that's what God cares about. 
and we see it throughout the Word of God. So look, God bless. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, whatever the case may be here. Um, contact us. Um, my email is dave at aloveoutreach.com. Our website, which in this particular teaching here, I don't have anything on the screen, but our website is aloveoutreach.com. Um, there's a contact form on there if you want to reach out to us. If you have any questions, you need any guidance, any direction in your life uh, spiritually, love to be able to help you with that. But look, thanks for watching. God bless, and we will see you next time.